Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow, great to see you again. Critics agree, Loki season two is marvelous, great, and it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki season two, now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. You are listening to Absent Minded. Brought to you by HabsEyesOnThePrize.com Hello and welcome to Absent Minded, Season 4, Episode 67, and the last season for this, uh, the last episode for this season. Yeah, how tired I am. Uh, I'm, this is Patrick Bexel and I'm joined by my co-host, more often than not, Anton Rosegård. Thank you for joining me, Anton. Thank you for having me, Patrick. I mean, it's it's weird now that we're not both in Europe and we have to plan it, you know, like you would do a podcast with any other Canadian since I'm six hours behind you all of a sudden. Yeah, but uh, I know you return soon, so it's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, uh, you were at the draft, Anton. Uh, I was. How was it, first and foremost? That was magical. Uh, it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Uh, it was a lot of fun to just have seen a, a draft in general and the fact that Montreal happened to host and Montreal happened to have the first overall pick. And also the fact that we, we up until the last moment, you didn't really know who Montreal was going to pick, which is pretty special. In most drafts, you know from months back who it's going to be and and everyone saying something else is just noise but uh this turned out to be something surprising um and uh yeah, yeah that was just made it even more fun yeah it was a really interesting start of the draft and and uh from eric engel's question at the press conference on day one we know that it was it, it actually started a few minutes earlier when when the three clubs have agreed to to the trade, or or Montreal has sorted out a trade with two other clubs in order for them to get uh, Kirby Dach. Uh we're not going to start there, but but uh, it's interesting. I mean, like when you look at the timeline, uh, I think they would have picked Slavkovsky anyway, but uh, it makes more sense when you know that as well. Exactly, it makes more sense when you know that you have. Uh potential top six centerman who is only 21 years old coming into the system um, you know at the same time that Slavkovsky comes into the system it, it would have been you, you wouldn't have traded for Kirby Doc and then selected Shane Wright it would have been like um, it would have been less uh, enticing just from a skill uh, uh, widen your skill set if you want to say that yeah. I mean Slavkovsky obviously is a unicorn in this in this draft being as big and as fast as he is and and let's remember we're, we're Shane Wright uh, was picked at number four 
it's mm. still an awesome achievement. It is. It, it is easy to sit here and uh, I'm not going to do it, but but others might and slag him off for being a loser already. He's 18 years old and he's uh, picked number four in the draft. Um, after COVID seasons where things hasn't really panned out the way he thought it would, I I I, I wish him the best every time he does he plays, except for when he plays against Montreal. Mm. Yeah, we, we we can we can just look back. Kale McCarr was drafted fourth overall. Um, went pretty well for him. Seth Jones was drafted fourth overall, and now he's the only man left standing in Chicago with a huge <laughs> contract. So worked out pretty well for him as well. Yeah, and. Um... Uh, let's start with with the most obvious before we dig into to maybe the the your grades of the draft because uh, there's already two articles with one with mine and one with the Hadis on the North American prospects. Um, but but it is a return for Slovakia to to maybe the top tier of of uh, player development. Yeah, a return or even you know even it's a revolution because Slovakia has never had. Like they had one player selected third overall before, and that was Marian Gaborik, right? And now they took the grand slam first and second, and then had the third first round pick, and then Adam Shikora went in the second round. So it's it's really impressive. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. I, I saw that Dalibor Dvorsky, who's also Slovakian, right? He's going to be yeah. selected high probably next year. Yeah. Um, so they seem to have something going. It and, seems to, and I think there was a 16-year-old uh, playing in. Def- I think he's a defender uh, playing for Slovan Bratislava. who won the Czech, uh, the Slovak championship uh, this year, uh, mm-hmm. already playing on, on in the top team. Um, so that's two years from now. So it seems to be a pipeline coming up, and uh, they seem to have looked at Finland and Sweden and and learned from from the success of these two countries in order to to build up a youth program that, that works and giving these youth players a chance to to actually play on a national level early as well mm. yeah absolutely uh it's it's always interesting when we see more countries getting into it uh obviously We've seen a Swiss player being selected first overall. We've seen a German player being selected third overall. We've seen Moritz Seider win the Calder Trophy. Um, we've seen Czech players bounce back and forth, basically, mm-hmm. um, since they last won the World Championships back in 2000, 2001, something. Um, but yeah, we need more countries playing hockey at a high level. So, so it's fun to see the rejuvenation of Slovakia. You, you have to feel sorry a little bit for Finland, who always seems to have a prospect that comes in quite high. And this year, uh, Kimmel and, and uh, uh, oh God, Brad Lambert. Brad Lambert uh, yeah. uh, fell quite hard in the draft. I know, I know, uh, Preds were really happy seeing they could get Kimmel. So, so yeah, that's pretty cool. But um, they should be. Yeah. Getting him 17th overall, that's, you know, uh, wh- whatever you think of Kamel or a Swedish lecturer, Mackie, it's like, what, as you get down to the teens and you get someone who has some elite traits, that's, you know, and, a and good pick. Those kind of shots that they both yeah. have. Yeah. You, you can build a, a career on, on, on those kind of shots. Of course. And, and 
we've seen that happen before and uh, we, we we might see it with one of them we might see it with both of them when mm. it comes to this so, so but, it's really really interesting yeah but it's just interesting what you said because finland obviously had the same thing happen last year with aturatu falling from yeah. being the top rated overall prospect at the beginning of the season and then being selected 52nd overall by the islanders and he had a great season post-draft as well in Liga. So you don't know. These kids are 18. Uh, we still, like, obviously we can put out as many grades as we want right now. It's just based on current performance and we have no idea who they're going to be in three or four years down the line. Exactly. And uh, thinking back to the Matthews draft, where it was Matthews line and Puliyarvi, I think it was Yulevi that went fifth as well, right? Yes. And... Uh, so, so Finland has been there, but they never really had. They, they actually never had a first overall pick, and no. Slovakia has, and Switzerland has, and mm. you know, it it it's time maybe for Finland to to. Czech to Republic see. has had as well Radek Hamrlik. Yeah, so so there are. I mean, like there are many countries that you don't expect that has had first overall picks, mm. but Finland that you do expect to have one hasn't. No. Um, they will get another chance next year. We'll see how that goes. Um, we're going to look into the Montreal draft, obviously, and uh, yes. and uh, I think we're going to start from the from 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 the bottom instead. Yeah, we can do that. Uh, so, so everyone actually listens to where we speak about the, the Slovaks a bit more. Yeah. But when we look at it from from the bottom, uh, we have uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher this name. Uh, Miguel uh, Tourigny. Tourigny, okay. Yeah. Miguel Tourigny. Um, I really like that pick, but uh, I'm, this is your uh, grading uh, experience. Oh, I agree. <laughs> I agree. Like, so. uh, he, he's obviously undersized. He's 5'8", 172 pounds left, uh, is listed on Elite Prospects. Um, and he's a double overager as well. So he's born in February 2002. But he has continued to develop throughout his Q career. And uh, he's always been an offensive force um since his you know young days he's obviously not very young anymore having already turned 20 uh but he was traded during the season from blainville bois bois armada uh to Acadie bathurst uh titan where he plays with riley kidney and uh, he continued to put up the same numbers there it, it didn't matter um he's uh you know he's a good skater and he is uh you know he's someone that would be fun at least i don't know this season but maybe next season kind of like uh, xavier simono uh, to get into laval and and see what what kind of um, impact he can do there it's obviously a seventh round pick so it's going to be a long development period but you know uh we're going to get to lane hudson who's the same size in a while uh but but getting someone who has some high level traits in the seventh round where his only real default or his only you know lacking trait is that he's undersized you know if it, it feels like a good pickup and then it's a bonus as well that he's a local boy so he's someone to root for if you're from quebec yeah and and i mean it's it's these kinds of pick we always say you 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 go for for someone you believe in, where you have a trajectory, if they're an overager, you can see that this trajectory is positive so far. So you, you, you use that and you swing for, for, for the home run, really. And 
and that's what Montreal does here. And I, I really like the pick. I gave it a, an, an A. Uh, Hardy mm. gave it an A. So uh, you're up. Yeah, I gave it an A as well. Uh, uh, as I said, you know, coming down to the seventh round, there are a few players who were actually that interesting. Uh, and I think Miguel Tourigny is more interesting than most seventh round picks. And we've seen in the past, obviously it was a different regime now, but we've seen in the past that Montreal has been pretty good at picking guys in the seventh round who have gone on to make an impact. Rafael Arvi Pinal is, you know, coming up there now and he's going to challenge for a spot in Montreal uh, for the upcoming season. And we've seen what Jake Evans has already done and Caden Primo has already played games in the NHL. And yeah, so uh, we, we, let's we, hope we remember let's hope the that positive, gets but uh, we also remember Arvid Henriksson. Uh, yeah, Ar but that's that's further. Okay, it's not further back than Evans, but <laughs> yeah. But but on the other hand, we also, uh, which I think is, is more maybe um, a, a better comparison is Arsene Shisamutino. Who, who was picked in the seventh round or maybe sixth. Sixth. Uh, yeah. But overager. And at least he got a chance to play with Laval. And, and mm. he got, a, you know, he came from, from Russia. He came over and played. And and for for a seventh round pick to get into, or a sixth round pick to get into to the AHL team, I, I still mm. think that's a win. Yeah, like at least he got a chance, right? Then it was up to him. It's always been like that for for these players. He uh, he got a chance to go from you know playing Russian junior hockey and you know occasionally filling in in the in the second tier to to play in the AHL. As and as you said, you know it just didn't work out. And most of these late round picks obviously won't work out. I'm looking at the 2018 draft right now, for example, and we have. Five players who have played in the NHL: um, Kotkaniemi, Ilonen, Romanov, um, Hillis, and Harris. And then the last five picks were Alan McShane, Jack Gorniak, Cole Fonstad, Samuel Ud, and Brett Stapley. None of whom were signed. Uh, Brett Stapley had a great college career, though. So, like, someone definitely will give him an invite for for an NHL yeah. uh, or, or or a European club will snag him up if he's interested. Oh, definitely, in that. definitely. If we move on to the 194th uh, overall, um, it's one of our um, uh, next one, neighbors. <laughs> yeah, exactly. One that you're going to follow for the next season, probably. Yeah. Um, I'm not high on this on this guy. I, <laughs> I, I, I'm not. And, and it's really tough to, to sit here and say it. Because uh, the, exactly that that's what I was gonna say. Like when, when you said uh, swing for the fences in the seventh round. Yeah, Tourinier is one of that. You know that kind of player that I can understand that you swing for the fences with. With Petri Nurmi from from Helsinki, I don't understand the upside. He's no, ne ne neither do I. And and it's not like he's playing top line minutes in in one of the top teams. He plays in Hopeko, which is one <laughs> yeah. of the smaller teams. Um, before I say something, I think they actually had a decent season last year. Yeah. So so I'll I'll uh, I'll check that, but. It is kind of is is he double overager or, or yeah he's or, a double overager he's yeah. a month older than Tourigny. Yeah. so the fact that uh, I don't know if it was La Pointe or if it was someone else in the Montreal scouting department who was saying like he's already playing against men well he's twenty so it's not like it's impressive it's as impressive as if an eighteen year old would do it no uh, well Hopeko finished uh, second in the league last year. That was good. And yeah. that was all due to Petri Nurmi. Of course it was. Yeah. Um, so, uh, oh, that was preseason game. Sorry. Uh, we need to change that. <laughs> all right. 
uh, regular season. Uh, yeah, seventh, which is good okay. for Hope Core. It's yeah. it's um, in the wild card spot for for you that follow NFL. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a it's a decent team. Um, Nurmi was and is, I think, on the second uh, on the first pairing in the in the World Juniors as well. Mm. So so there are some things there. But even elite prospects, uh, Finnish scout was not very high on him. So so we'll have to wait and see. Uh, hopefully, uh, as he said, you you see a positive trend, a trajectory somewhere. And, oh, the, and you... Like obviously, we see a, a positive trend because he was only playing uh, under twenty hockey for for the last season, and then he took yeah. a full time roster spot this season in Liga, yeah. which is, you know, that's an impressive trait because most players need to have that you know loan period and miss this in the second tier or something. To yeah, to and also stuff. Liga is a very defensively minded league. Mm. Uh, it's a system league. It's uh, sort of a a, a structure, very structured league. So that should mean that he has that kind of, um, of of system play and structured defensive zone play. I haven't yeah. watched Hopiko since forever. Uh, so I'll be honest with that. I, you haven't I, had reason to. No, I think I watched a few games when Vesalainen was there, mm. uh, but that's about it. Like uh, it's it's uh, it's it's few and far between the the uh, the Hopiko games. So hopefully. Uh, you know, Kapanen will will play a lot in Finland mm. in Liga next year, and uh, I'll be able to follow Petri Nurmi as well. I, I was just thinking as well, considering he only had four points himself, uh, feels more of a you know, not that offensively minded. Maybe it's still impressive, even if you don't want to read too much into plus minus statistics and all that. He still had a positive plus minus yeah. with only four points himself. So it tells you something about. You know, for a full season, him being a first-year senior and not, you know, just conceding goals when he's like a ton of goals when when, when he's on the on the ice. Exactly. Um, it, it'll be interesting. I I think he will be. Um, I don't have the Ross. That's actually a very bad planning of me, but mm. uh, I don't. Uh, he might be on the World Junior teams, and uh, it'll well, be interesting to follow him there as well. Mm. Uh, your grade on this pick, though, I would say C plus. All right, because because he's just an unknown at this point. Um, could turn out great with a couple of years of development, and and obviously Montreal will retain his rights for more seasons than if he was like Tourigny as CHLer. So yeah. there is more time to work with here. Uh, maybe when he's twenty three, he's going to be a new Otto Leskinen. Who knows? Um, maybe more uh, defensively minded. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I, I like Leskinen, so it was not a slight of, of, of that. And you know, he signed with Montreal again. Yeah, uh, he was a Fernanda player for 28 days, I think, or something like that. <laughs> um, 162nd overall, uh, Montreal chose Emmett Croteau, uh, mm. um, US high school league, uh, going the NCAA route, uh, goalkeeper. Mm. I gave it a B. Uh, and I'll be honest to tell you that uh, Hadi um, hasn't uh, decided yet because he hasn't yeah. seen as much of him. I went by comments from uh, Marc Andre, in, in, who writes for Eyes on the Price, and uh, also uh, stats from, from what is normal in the, in, in the high school league and saving percentage and stuff. 
But this is the typical kind of goalie we see teams pick, and, and Montreal has picked a few of them the last couple of years. Uh, Verbitek, um, Jakob Dobish, Dobish and, and Dishau. And yeah. uh, now they picked a, a, a Croteau as well. Uh, six foot four, 194 pounds, uh, big guy, can learn the trade and build from that. Yeah, um, it's also very difficult to put a grade on it. He's going to play at Clarkson University in the NCAA. Mm-hmm. To be fair, I'm European. I've never even heard of Clarkson University. I have no idea which division it is or or how high up that actually is. But uh, it wasn't that impressive for, for Waterloo. He played well in the playoffs during six games. Um, but... I, I I have no clue what to say about Demet Koto other than that I thought he was a local boy when when I heard the name, but apparently he's from Alberta. So looks the part size wise, but it's it's as we said, it's exactly like Verbetic and and D, not Dishow so, so much, but Verbetic and um, uh, Dobish who came from USHL seasons and were going to take the NCAA route and just. No clue about who they are or what they stood for, what playing style they had, but it's worked out decently. Uh, Dobish was really good this season for Ohio State, so and Disha obviously was really great in the Swedish second tier. So the, I don't the know. good thing is is that uh, since it's going the NCAA route, you have four years. Exactly, that's the thing. That's the thing, and if you only get one quality goalie out of Dobish, Verbetic, and um and Koto, then you you know drafted well yeah and and re- the return might be a third and a fourth pick or or something like that so you might mm-hmm. have improved on the pick you you took him with to become a better pick sure exactly and, and these goalies are the ones they should take a flyer on right so so it's like i mean he has the size and you know he's you know we we've seen like uh, after the after the second day of the draft, for example, I, I happened to run into a Swedish agent outside of the Bell Center, and he he said that he used to be the uh, agent for Victor Fast and and uh, Jonas Gustafsson, two mm-hmm. Swedish goaltenders formerly formerly in the NHL, and we can see there as well. I mean, both of those players developed late, mm-hmm. and uh, it tells you a lot about goaltenders as well. I mean, it, it's very rare to see a Spencer Knight or. Uh, something similar where a player just go in and dominate at the age of 18, 19, 20. Uh, normally, like a Henrik Lundqvist, for example, it's you develop until you're 25, 26, and then you continue on to just become better throughout your career. So, Yeah, but Hen- Henrik dominated in Sweden first. He did, he <laughs> did. But he didn't come over until he was 25, right? So yeah, right. That's what I'm you can supposed. still become king after the age of 25. Oh, that's good. Good to know. I'm, yep. I'm double that now, so uh, yeah. it's too late for me, probably, though. Uh, but on the other hand, we know Prince Charles might become king one day, and he's what? Well, he's 70. He's, yeah, oh, I was going to say, yeah. like, <laughs> um, looking forward to, to the 130th overall, uh, Jared Davidson. And normally I'm the harsh grader here, but uh, Hadi was a, a grade lower than me. I gave him a B minus, and, and uh, Hadi gave him a C plus. So uh, at least we're in the ballpark. Um, Again, an overager mm. trajectory is positive. Um, what are your thoughts? I'm probably going to be the nicest grader here. I'm going to give it a B. 
because I, f- I feel like um, I feel like it's uh, a really enticing selection. Uh, it was really fun to read uh, Justin's getting to know article about Davison because when you checked him from the Mitch Brown's tracking uh, projects for the CHL and, and those uh, charts that he puts up, he started off his WHL career by being like a defense first safety valve forward um, centerman. Uh, and then he just probably realized somewhere in between that this isn't going to get me to the next level. So he just went all out attack instead and it worked. And in his third draft, he was actually selected by Montreal. Then he had 89 points, and 42 of them were goals in in 64 games. So it tells you something about which kind of player this is. <laughs> he had uh, quite awful defensive stats, but we know that he can play defense. He just chose not to this season uh, and just do it all for himself. Uh, 29 points in the playoffs as well, where he had 13 more goals in 25 games. He, he, I like he was at last that you're betting on the upset. really, so he had to go all out for himself in order to get. Sure, back. sure, but like there are a lot of players who still end up, you know, they they put up decent results and they get you know a professional tryout contract or something. Yeah. But just the fact that he actually was drafted and he was drafted as early as in the fifth round um, for a double overager, um, it tells you something about what Montreal must have seen in him. I wouldn't be surprised if he if he is an impressive player during development camp, uh, partly because he's already 20. He has, he has played four years of, of WHL hockey, even if they've been scattered by COVID. And also because I think he's learned what kind of player he actually can be with his shot. His shot uh, is apparently quite lethal. So, and, and as we said before, with players like Kemel and, and Lekrimaki, with a good shot, you can, you can reach pretty far. Also, and, and you bring it up, uh, Albeit on another way than, than I was thinking, we should talk about it. But yeah. uh, with with two drafts that has been on on um, distant uh, with with video calls and and so on, um, we had a very fir- fast second to seventh round. But it yep. seemed like Montreal was picking overagers where they had more information on than they had the previous two years because of suspended seasons and. And everything like that, and video video scouting, and, and some some other stuff. It seemed like they had a really clear plan plan on whom to take at what level, mm. uh, and and they went for it. And looking a little bit, we said it before with trajectory. We said it with with you know their overagers. How much do you think? Because we're actually just guessing here. Mm. Um, the the co like. Can we can we think it's a COVID approach to to not yep. let everyone behind, uh, not forgetting anyone that they might have an eyes on and stuff like that? Yeah, for sure. Uh, we we just saw Montreal selecting uh, or or giving a you know professional contract to Xavier Simono, for example, um, who was selected last year in the sixth round, and he was twenty at the time, uh, and we see guys. Uh, we know already that in a normal. Uh, career that guys develop in in different I mean they develop in different speed right and and now they have a coach as well in Martin Saint-Louis who wasn't even drafted and and we all know what what came of him as soon as he got to the NHL I think that 
having that kind of combination of Jeff Gordon used to be the general manager of the Rangers. So even if he was let go there, he still has all the intel on, on these older guys as well. And then you have Kent Hughes is obviously an agent. So he has the intel on, on a lot of young guys as well, because they could be potential clients for him in the past. And, and then you have Martin Saint-Louis with that, you know, phenomenal career trajectory that he had while playing. I, I think that that creates an interesting an interesting uh, blend uh, where just like you look at certain traits and you see that, well, if I get this guy, you know, under my wings, you know, I can develop him in, in, into something that we can use. And uh, as we said before with uh, Tourigny, I think that Davidson, for example, is that kind of a trait guy that you uh, otherwise would have to fight with other teams for, for um, you know, to get him into development camp. And now you don't have to because you have him signed and, and you can get him into your AHL lineup if you want to. Otherwise, he will play. I think he has another. Does he have another year of WHL since he's already 20 and he's played four seasons? I don't know how it works. Yeah, don't, uh, don't ask me about the the North American uh, leagues, really. No, but because... I, I'm I'm guessing I'm guessing he has to have yeah. one more year of like because I I, I think that both Harvey Pinar and, and Simono had some kind of like you know you can play as an overager for one year. Yeah, and they might have had something to do with COVID as well that they give you know lost years count that doesn't count and stuff like that. Could be, could be. Um, moving on though. Uh, yeah. Cédric uh, Guindon. Yeah, uh, who's apparently not French enough for some of the French-speaking <laughs> media in Montreal because he's apparently born in Ontario, just on the other side of the river from Quebec. Come on. <laughs> he's still Franco- Francophone and everything, but apparently he was born in the wrong region. And he speaks French and he sees himself as French, right? Exactly. Uh, I, I think that Lapointe also said that he was born in, in Quebec, but then he moved to Ontario when he was really small. Uh, and as I said, it's just on the other side of the river, so it's really close to Quebec as well. Uh, but yeah, he, he's not an overager. He's born in April 20, 2004. Um, played as a center, can also play on the wing. Almost a point game player for Owen Sound Attack. And, and the most fun about this election was probably that the first guy to reach out to him when he was selected in the in the CHL uh, or the OHL uh, priority selection was Nick Suzuki, I think. And now he reached out again, obviously, when he was drafted by the Canadians. Because as you may remember, remember Nick Suzuki was also drafted by the Owen Sound Attack and played there when he was in the OHL. Yeah, I think they met up as well, wasn't didn't they? Maybe they did. Yeah, uh, that that he uh, Suzuki collected him at the airport or something like that. Oh, uh, cool. I, I think I heard <laughs> something. I don't, I'm not sure, and and it might just be hearsay or wishful mm. thinking. But yeah. but uh, yeah, it's 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 cool, and I I think the um, I, I like this pick as well. I, I mm. might not be as as high as Hadi or or as you because I don't I haven't heard your grade yet. So mm. so if you hand it over and. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm going to give it a B at this point, oh. the same as I gave Davidson. Uh, I, I don't know if, like, I, I don't know if it's a, if we look at all the scouting reports, because that's basically what we go on, mm. on these smaller, you know, these later round guys. You see that, you know, if he puts it all together with his hockey IQ and his, you know, there are some some glimpses of, of, of good playmaking there and, and all, uh 
then he can be, you know, a bottom six alternative in the future. But it's still, you know, some years down the line. And at this point, he's also been, you know, hurt by COVID. And, and we don't really know. This was his first true season in the uh, OHL. And he had 59 points. So, so And he was selected back in 2020. He was a high pick in the uh, priority selection there. So I, w- I would give it a B at this point. Yeah, I, I, I see that his... Um skating and physique are was was dragging him down a little bit and i yep. think that the, both these things are fixable if if you if you're keen to fix it you're going to fix it um we're going to talk about him later on uh, but arthur lekonen as well mm. was not a great skater when he was drafted that mm. he spent two years in Fronda after every practice working with the skating coach yeah and and so if you want to fix it you can fix it uh, at the start Jesse Ilonen wasn't a great skater. He said he was the worst skater in his skating school. Uh, mm. But he learned technically how to do it. And now he's one of the best skaters from that year's draft. Yeah. Uh, so so these, that is fixable. Physique uh, is fixable as well. Exactly. And we're going to get to him you know, in a minute. But Juraj Slavkovsky has developed the skating massively during the last season as well. So... Oh, well, it takes a few more minutes than one minute to get Slavkovsky, guys, just so you know. Anton is positive mm. here, but uh, t- the tour is on, the effort is on, and, and uh, I'm watching mm. both and speaking with Anton, so, you know, sure. my day is good. Uh, what, but yeah, we're, we're going up, and, and we spoke about him actually before, and, and we, we made a little bit of a laugh, the fact that uh, Adam Engstrom is one of the guys that I'm going to follow next year. I've already spoken with yeah. him, uh, put uh, a few things out on Twitter. Uh, but what, what you guys should know is that um, he's very well aware what he needs to work on. And, and we spoke about it, as I said, just before we started recording. I'm not sure if you're betting on Adam Engstrom, on Montreal's scouting team, on Montreal's development team, or a Ruggles development team, <laughs> oh. or, or maybe all four. But... but uh, the fact that he went to Rugler, who has had success with uh, Herglander um, and, and actually Liljegren and, and Sandin was, was come out of there as well. Um, yeah. Cider, obviously. Uh, and now... Uh, William Wallander. William Wallander. Uh, Marco Casper mm. has been there uh, the last year. It's, it, it is a development school right now. In, where, where we thought Frölunda was a couple of years ago, Rugley is there now. So, so from that way, you can, you can think, all right, we don't know whom to take. Take a Rugley guy. Uh, just like Detroit has spent the last couple of years ago. We don't know who to take. We'll take a Frölunda guy. So, so I can see this. Uh, he is a, a long-term prospect. Uh, very defensively-minded def- defender. Um, he's just outside the World Junior Championship team looking in. Uh, he is... Uh, late birthday uh in a, a november birthday yeah. so so an early for the draft but late of the year yeah. uh, and which means that he can only play the world juniors this year and and uh, this winter this summer and this winter sounds weird to say but yeah yeah uh, um but yeah he looks forward his main uh, target to is to take a roster spot in in Rugle. Well, i thought you were gonna say montreal <laughs> well right now for this year and, yeah. and uh, to get to play in, in the CHL and play with the men's team and, and, and earn that spot and develop further 
and we as, as we mentioned i mean like we mentioned a couple of really good guys here and and uh, cam and chris abbott and vogler has done an awesome job mm. and uh, that that is the high hope i have for for engstrom he wouldn't go they wouldn't take him unless they saw something in him and i trust these two guys a lot so i can understand that it's a pick that montreal makes but i'm still confused about it yeah, no, you said it. Uh, I had no idea who he was, and uh, I'm, I'm still Swedish. Um, saw that he was part of a very successful Yulegården youth team. Obviously, we saw we saw Liam Ögren, Noah Östlund, Jonathan Lekrimäki, and Kalle Odelius already be selected ahead of him. Um, he played one game in the SHL this last season, which was terrible for Yulegården, and they were relegated in the end. But the fact that he gets picked up by Regla, it, it tells you something about that there is more to more to collect there. But if we look at what analysts or scouting outlets had, he, he was hardly ranked on any of these um, on any of these rankings. On the other hand, Alexander Romanov wasn't ranked on a lot of scouting outlets either. Or if he was ranked, it was you know fifth rounder here, fourth yeah, rounder in the eighties. I think I think. Uh... Bobby Margarita had him at the 80s, right? Yeah, okay, okay. So that was at least... And he was better, the highest. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. But but, uh, but but still, you know, at this point, uh, just getting in, him into a successful, um, a potentially successful youth setup and, and you know, that an SHL setup that's going to get going to give time to these youngsters it's going to be interesting to see what he can do and and you know for you it's going to be great to have autumn Engstrom to follow on on a close you know not not yeah, very far away sh- shout out to the cheese shop in engelholm and i owe you a dinner i know that anton so uh next time we meet up in engelholm uh, we're going yeah. to the cheese shop and have the best shrimp salad there since we uh so 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 there is that um, uh, and and I love going to Engelholm, and I I, I really really like uh, the arena as well. I think it's a great development uh, setup, and uh, also again, it's a four year development uh, because he's drafted out of Europe. So yeah, so it's, true. it's 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 really smart in that regard. Going up then, uh, Vincent Roha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Harder, faster, roarer. Yeah. No, Aurora is Aurora is fun. Uh, when we did the mock draft podcast, I actually selected him at seventy fifth overall, and I think it was the only selection where we actually had someone going at the same spot where we actually. So you 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 think that Montreal actually listened to the pod and 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 of course like, yeah we're gonna choose yeah him. that they didn't do any scouting on him ahead yeah. of time they just listened to the mock draft podcast and selected. Yeah. Now, uh, Vincent Schroer was a guy that many had as a kind of sleeper pick in kind of the third round or something like that. Uh, very intense guy. He works. Uh, he's not very big. He's like 5'10", 170 or something. But And you would think that, oh, like this is a skilled guy who can't put up much, you know, physically. He puts up a lot of effort physically. He he works hard in every direction possible. He's a 200-foot player, and he had quite decent point totals as well this season for being his first in the OHL. He has played in, even though he's Austrian, he's played in the Swiss youth system before. Uh, and it's very interesting as well to see. We looked at Cédric Guendon and his, uh, you know, 
his connection with Nick Suzuki in the past. Here we have Vincent Roger and the connection with Marco Rossi, the uh, top selection out of the 2020 draft, uh, who went to, did he go to Buffalo or I don't remember, Minnesota? Oh, I don't remember. Anyways, uh, so Roger is born in the same uh, city or, or village, if you want to call it, Feldkirch in, in Austria as Marco Rossi. Uh, and then he played for the same youth system in, uh, you know, uh, the Lions in, in Switzerland. He was selected by the same team in the OHL pro, uh, import draft, the CHL import draft, the Ottawa 67s. So he asked Marco Rossi about it. And Marco was just like, well, get over here. It's worth it. And uh, Vincent went over to uh, North America and he played for Ottawa this season, did really well, was you know, one of their leading players had 48 points in 64 games and four, four in four in the playoffs. And now he was drafted early in the third round. And we're going to get to the Slovaks later, but I was thinking as well that I, with this kind of player that they selected here, I can imagine that Montreal also had their eyes set on Adam Sikora, who is kind of a similar playing type. Um, he's about the same size. He is about as intense as Rohrer. Uh, but now they got like you know backup Sikora in the th- early in the third round. And they were able to select someone else with the 62nd pick. So this is one of the picks that I'm really high on. I would probably give it an A minus. Yeah, Dylan Krill of uh, a colleague of mine from McKean's Hockey. Mm. Uh, he's been raving on him for the, for for the last almost full season. Yeah. Uh, uh, more skill than many people give him credit for. I think that stands out in his evaluation. Uh, really, really cool thing to to, uh, to to go and yeah, I can't wait for for Laval to to uh, play that harder, faster scooter. But we're just going to change out the scooter to Roar, and, yeah. and uh, the fans will go bonkers over it. And uh, it will be more like being in Austria than being in in a hockey game in in Canada, maybe. But uh, it'll be absolutely awesome. Uh, I think he he will he will get a good chance and a good look. Uh, the one thing here is obviously he's drafted out of, of uh, the North American system, so two year before Montreal has to make a decision. Yeah. Um, I think he will be re- like if he follows the career trajectory is yeah. already started. I think he will be more than ready in two years to take a step into into Laval at least. Yeah, I, I he will definitely get to Laval, and and from there yeah. we know that. You know everything is possible, and mm. it, it also comes a little bit with, you know, uh, hits and misses, and and who's getting injured uh, up high and stuff like that. Mm. So so uh, yeah, I like this pick, and and obviously you know we we have to make that you know, song really where we we sing it instead, right? Mm. Do that for another True. podcast. Um, but anyway, uh, so, uh, I think we all like him. Um, there are A's and B's around this pick, uh, so, so really cool yep. in that regard. Um, then maybe one of the best stories of the whole draft is Lane Hudson. Lane Hudson is so much fun. And I, I was thinking, because this was this was the first article I was going to write in the day, right? So I was waiting for the 62nd overall pick to be selected so I could go down and write my, my getting to know article. I was sitting... Uh, I was sitting, uh, you know, next to the vendor stand because the internet didn't work in the arena. So, so I just like booted up there and wrote. But um, 
So I was just saying to the guys I was sitting next to when Montreal went up to make the 62nd overall selection, I really hope that they select Lane Hudson. And they did. And I was really surprised because you I were didn't two know. two for two at that point, right? Well, <laughs> not really because I didn't select him in my mock draft. But, uh-huh. uh, but I, I just... I saw a lot of potential in him. Uh, it's kind of like with the, the similarly sized Tourigny that, you know, uh, when you get down to even the late second round, there are very few players with traits that you would categorize as, as elite. And the, the shiftiness of Lane Hudson and, you know, the playmaking ability of him and, and the way that he plays his game is just... It's really unique. I was hoping for Denton Matejcik to be available 26th overall or that Montreal would be able to trade up for him. He was obviously selected 12th overall. But to get that kind of offensive defenseman late in the second round instead, and you can make an argument that even if Matejcik is, you know, slightly bigger, that Hudson is, you know, equally talented or even more talented, if depending on who you ask. The only yeah, one who's put up uh, taller for for Lane Hansen, and he would have been selected in the top fifteen for sure. Ex- exactly, Maybe even top ten. Exactly, uh, and, and as as someone like as someone said that he brought an endocrinologist with him to the um, to the uh, scouting combine to just show that he's not finished growing yet, which is <laughs> which is a really fun move by him. <laughs> I mean, you have to give him credit, and and I, I listen uh, as probably many of our listeners did as well uh, to the uh, Sportsnet um, draft stream, and and they were like, we were hoping this guy was going to get drafted because he's so skillful, blah 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 blah, uh, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And and then they went like, and we we thought it would be one of the teams with most picks in the draft, and obviously there's no other team with more picks than Montreal, so they picked yeah. him, and and it is a swing for the fences if this works out. He's going to be the steal of the draft. Yes, uh, for sure. Uh, that, that's that's undoubtedly. The yep. question is if he's if he's going to work out. I mean, he's going to play professional hockey. I, I'll be honest with that, because if he doesn't work out in the NHL, he's going to be able to go to Europe and have a great career here. Oh, for sure, for sure. But like the only thing that's holding him back, and the, it's because how many five eight defensemen do we see in the league at the moment? None. Exactly. So. As well, someone said has as to well. break the grass, the glass ceiling. Exactly. Well. That's the thing. That's the thing. Someone has to break the ground. I remember when Kyler Murray was selected first overall in the NHL, NFL draft, right? Everyone was saying, like, we don't have. It's impossible to make it as a 5'10 quarterback in the NFL. Kyler Murray has done quite decently. The question is, you know, I don't know if he deserves a contract extension, whatever. But he has played decently. And... As you say, someone has to, you know, break grounds for other players to follow. We saw Alex at break grounds for Cole Caulfield, for example. And yeah, Lane we, Hudson, he's only, like, he's always been small. It's not like he's just woke up one day and was all of a sudden the smallest guy on the ice. He's always been that guy. And he's done really well, maybe because of it, maybe in spite of it. it depends on how you see it, but... As someone someone wrote in their you know draft profile of him or, or scouting profile of him, he wouldn't be able to play his game if he wasn't five eight. So there could actually be a perk in you know him being the player that he is. And he's not it's not that he's he can't be physical or that he, he can't defend or something. It's just that he does it in a different way than if he was a lumbering six five Noah Warren. Yeah. 
Uh, one thing I have to ask, and, and it just hit me. I, I know I was thinking during during the draft about this as well. Uh, with the skills that he possesses, would it be possible to move him to the wing? No. Like it, it would probably be possible, but he wouldn't be elite there. No, it, it's it's but but it is a uh, you know. But I, I I'm sure he will play professional hockey, mm. uh, and and if he grows another two inches he's fine in the nhl most likely probably yeah um as i said it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see if he can still play the shifty game that, because obviously as soon as you grow it's it kind of affects your skating it affects mm-hmm. your posture and everything so central uh, gravity is what i always think of when you grow yeah. too much or build too much muscle on top exactly so so you fall down um more maybe at least at the start of it we saw it with kk uh, as mm. well um but as as a grade i would give give this one an a plus it's just uh, as easy oh owen beck at 33rd yeah. yeah uh i know our, the, our, our, we all uh, over at eyes on the prize were super excited when this yeah. happened basically because it felt like getting uh you know a backup shane wright at 33rd overall uh shane wright everyone has always there's no one who's been talking about anymore in the last year about Shane Wright's high ceiling. But everyone has been talking about his high floor. You know that he's going to be, you know, a, at the very least a top six centerman and he's going to do well and he's going to put up, you know, 60 points or something. It just, you know, you, you feel that way when you watch him. Owen Beck is not that, but, you know, he feels also like someone who his floor is, you know, to be a bottom six centerman, probably even a middle six centerman. Like he, he can play a third line minutes. And I remember us talking about that as well with Nathan Gotcher, for example, the local kid who went 23rd overall. He's just, you know, a guy who's going to play in the NHL. And it feels the same with Owen Beck. He's slightly smaller. He's not, you know, that physical, like that, that physically imposing guy that Gotcher is, for example. But he's a smart player. And as you can hear, that that goes for a lot of these picks. And I would give this an A as well, because getting him at 33rd overall, I think that you're getting a centerman who will be able to, you know, make make decent strides for you in the AH, AHL at first and then the NHL after that. I see, I see the same thing here as I see with many of the others that we have spoken about. I think patience is the key here to, to his development. Don't yeah. rush him. No. No, for sure. And and let him have his AHL time before, you know, and, let him and, become an, a dominant force there first. Uh, and let him make mistakes. It's, mm. it's, I mean, be patient with him rather than build up. But, but all of us are, are, are really excited for this pick. I, I think we all really, really like it. And, and uh, well, Mississauga is, is, is a good development ground as well. It was also like it was another one of these picks where I know that Matt really wanted Owen Beck, 33rd overall. Um, oh, that, that was actually another one. I think in the mock draft that both, um, I think it was both uh, Matt Jared and Jared and Matt. had had 33rd, uh, had Owen Beck 33rd mm-hmm. overall. But like uh, we were hoping for Owen Beck or uh, Jagger Fergus, uh, and we got Beck. So that's, mm-hmm. you know. Obviously, someone that Matt was really high on, and I value his opinion on on the uh, Canadian Hockey Leagues. Indeed, we do, and and uh, great to see as well. Um, then we have 
you know, the, the, the story of the draft was the Slovakians and, and or Slovaks, sorry, Slovaks. Um, uh, and, and I mean, <laughs> I, I forgot, it was it Jerry that tweeted out, we had Kotkaniemi girl and now we have uh, Meshar boy because yep. uh, the reaction from Juraj Slavkovsky when his childhood friend was drafted by the same team and being told by former Habs Lies on the Price boss, uh, Marc Dumont, uh, that, that it happened, happened was fantastic to see. Yeah, yeah, it was so much fun. Uh, and it, it makes you see as well what, what kind of guys these are, um, that they're so tight and they have such a good connection to each other. It's a lot of fun to. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun, and and I can feel as well that it takes a little of the pressure off Slavkovsky just because he has his he has his friend, you know, close by, yeah. you know, going going to go through the same. They're going to get the same developmental, you know, you know, advice and and you know, coaching down the line, and and it's it always makes it so much easier when you have a friend there with you to to do all these things that you need to do to to make it at a high level in sports. And and uh, I think it's clear. First and foremost, both uh, are drafted out of Europe, so they're four-year, you know, um, timelines. I'm, I'm sure that Slavkovsky will sign his contract in the upcoming day or two. Mm-hmm. Uh, not not to say not equally sure with Mesa, but the smart thing is that he's drafted out of Europe, four years to go. Uh, Montreal controls his his uh, destiny more or less. Uh, mm-hmm. They, he can go to the OHL, he can go to the AHL, uh, he can play in the NHL, I don't think he will, but the option is there. Uh, or they can lend him to European team. Yeah, exactly. He was drafted in the CHL import draft by Kitchener Rangers, yeah. so they hold his rights there. And, and uh, in one way, I would love to see him in AHL. Um, mm. Mate Derai, that you might have heard on the pod earlier, he... Uh, or the previous pod, uh, he thinks he goes to Kitchener, um, yeah. but it would so have been. Well. I, I, I would have loved to see him in the AHL just for being near Juraj Slavkovsky, mm. uh, yeah. to have them in the same city to to make sure that you know they get the put them in the same apartment, make sure uh, uh, someone comes over and and uh, speaks to them. They know they're they're used to you know, living alone and, and uh, take care of themselves. So that's not going to be a problem, but, but make sure that they are, you know, comfortable. And, and maybe that is, I, I don't think that's why they draft Meshar because he's drafted on his own uh, skills. Merits, yeah. uh, and I, I really think Meshar is the new Arthur Lekonen. I know that we always speak about a new Arthur Lekonen because everyone seemed to understand his play and, and he was such a smart player. And it's, this, it's fun. Uh, it's so much fun because I read when you, when you said that as well, and and when I was reading up on Rohrer, I got the same feeling that he was, you know, lecky light. I I, yeah. I think that they actually thought of that that they were missing, you know, a Lekkonen profile, and I think that both of these players were drafted with kind of that in mind, because they're hardworking players, smart players who can, you know, you could put them on a first line, you could put them on a fourth line, and they would still contribute to making that line better, and that was what Lekkonen always did. Yeah, and and they were scorers, albeit in in, in maybe at lower levels. Um, I still think that Arthur Lekkonen was mishandled in Montreal. They would put him into being a Gallagher light rather than an Arthur Lekkonen hole. Uh, and and uh, 
it, it's interesting to to see where they're going to develop Meshar. But but this is the kind of guy that I think is the new Arthur Lekkonen. Uh, but but again, it took Arthur Lekkonen four years to make it to Montreal, but he made it straight out of Sweden. He didn't need AHL time. And uh, uh, Meshar is going to go the North American route. I'm quite sure of that. And he might need AHL time, and that's fine. But give him that kind of 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 development progress. I love this pick. I think it's a, a an A pick. Uh, really smart, maybe to bet that Owen Beck would be there at 33rd. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I think and, that they and get the European with four years of of development time. Mm. And now, since you draft him in the first round, you control where he's being placed and where he plays next year. Yeah. Uh, we kind of know from what they were saying in the press conference that there was someone else that they were coveting even higher, but he was already selected. They were mm-hmm. trying to move up for someone. Could have been a Nathan Gotcher, for example. Yeah, but well, now that's that they the got... main, uh, main suggestion, right? <laughs> exactly. But now that they got like a centerman like Beck at 33rd overall, and then a winger like uh, Philip Michar, um could play center, probably. Yeah, he's played center well. in the yeah. in the junior leagues in Slovakia. Yeah. So, so, so he has positional versatility. Uh, he's got, you know, a lot of, you know, both skill and, and speed and, and you know, um, a lot of things that you would want from a player that you select at the end of the first round. And then it's just a bonus that he happens to be best mates with Jurai uh, Slavkovsky as well. Yeah. And I, was I, was really... still, I was still only give it a B plus at this point. Uh, I'm not as sold on Meshar as as I know that you are, uh, but and and I I would rather have seen, for example, a Jagger Fergus at this point. But just for the uh, the wholesomeness of the story and everything, absolutely, you know, it's going to be so much. I, I, I gave it an A because Montreal controlled the destiny. Now sure. that's actually I think it was a smart because you get the only other way is to let his contract expire in Europe before you can assign him to the AHL or, or Kitchener or, or something like that. Yep. Uh, now you control that. And I think that's very smart thinking from, from, from the uh, GM and, and, and the scouts. If they, if they were thinking that way. It's yeah. very smart. Uh, we, we don't know, but I, um, I can see that, that that's how I think and that's why I gave it an A from, from maybe not always a player standpoint, but also from an, a, a draft point. But leaving it to, to, to the story that was, and we're bunching it all together because we're already at, yep. at about an hour. Um, mm. First and foremost, the trade, Alexander Romanov yep. and the 98th pick. For How are you th- feeling? How are you feeling about getting rid of Romanov? Um, I'm, I think I've, I've so, so many players asked me about this, but yeah. thanks to Jason Paul, uh, who's been on this pod quite a few times, one of my favorite mm. guests. Uh, he always has his his opinions backed up by facts and stats and and analytics, uh, which makes them hard to disagree with. You might not always like it, but he has said he was surprised if Romano was a play a Montrealer for another year. Uh, oh. So I think I've been I'm sort of preparing myself for this. Yeah, uh, I can also. I think it's a very. It's not like the pipeline of defenders in Montreal. It's very, very good. Uh, so you have to lose one. You, yep. you know what you have in Romanov or what you don't have in Romanov. Yep. So he's easier to lose in that regard. And, and then the second, my opinion is that Montreal tried to make Romanov into the player he was at World Juniors, 
yep. where they should have just made him into the player that he was at Seska. Maybe. Which is two different, completely different players. But it was also like in Seska, he had such a shielded role. Yeah, but I think it would have been better for him to do that. And I, in, in to some just ways, play a, a bottom bottom two pairing, yeah, like or, or or being the defensive re- responsible person on a top four pairing. Yeah, yeah, true. Uh, because in some ways he was in in Seska as well, because he was the defensive responsible person. Like, mm. uh, so so I can see that. I mean, like he gets a new start. Uh, it's sad to see him go. I'm always going to cheer for Alex. It's it's not a problem with that. Uh, hopefully he, he doesn't hurt us too much going forward <laughs> but but I think I was prepared for this and and the fact that you saw the logic behind this trade yeah. uh, made it understandable and comprehensible and acceptable yeah so 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 it's not that and and with the fact what I've said about losing Romanov and Jason Paul's uh, argument for the last two years uh, but it, I think it was in February he said um, he was surprised if, if Romana was a Montreal or a tread design Latin this upcoming season. And mm. uh, he was right. You know, credits where credit you. Yeah, Wave and tell uh, at Twitter. Oh, oh, Follow him. Oh, yeah, and obviously, obviously you had to resign him now as well. Yeah, and, and uh, that's not going to be a problem because I own his rights still. So it's, it's yeah, yeah, absolutely. But still, you have to agree on something yeah. like which which kind of role he's going to yeah. have. And now Montreal doesn't, you know. They don't have to do that anymore. Yeah. Now they can focus that attention on signing Kirby Doc instead. Yeah, and uh, that's the guy you got with the 13th and 66 pick. Uh, yep. Kirby Doc, reclamation project a little bit, a little bit like yes. Alexander Romanov maybe. It um, it feels it feels so mean to just say reclamation project when he's 21 years old. Yeah, but it and, kind and of having is. had a, Chicago a didn't put injury him, as well. Yeah, Chicago didn't. You know, they didn't make him any, any favors or they didn't put him in any favorable situation so oh shit sorry uh, uh science car is on fire uh oh shit yeah uh, so um, sorry for the fruity language here as i've heard yeah. they say at uh, ted lasso because if you yeah. haven't seen that uh, uh science is out of the car though so it's good okay time. good good uh but um yeah fruity language here and and i didn't see the crash i was actually looking up kirby Dak. uh yeah but uh yeah i i think you know wrist injury being at bad chicago team not yeah. getting the opportunity to play higher up the lineup etc cetera, etc cetera. Uh, not getting good line mates yeah properly and and uh, the uncertainty of 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 uh, uh thumbs up from carlos Sainz as well so now we can all oh, relax good. Uh, but but yeah, it's it's. Uh, I think it's going to be interesting, and we have had different players that has changed teams, mm. uh, and therefore uh, become so much better at the end of it. Yeah, and this this is this might be one of those stories that redemption stories, if you want to call it that, stories that we all love to see as well. We love to hear them. We love to hear about them. We love to see them happening. So I think that's that's really a great thing. And and um, as I said at the start of this podcast, I am convinced they would have picked Uri Slavkovsky even if they didn't have the uh, the Kirby Dak trade in order. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the, they were but... so confident in that pick, and and I like the pick. Um, I always like we always like the upset in in different <laughs> in different things. Uh, mm. You know. And the Wimbledon final is on. I don't know what what the score is there, but we we, we like to see an upset sometimes. Come on, Nick Kyrgios. Yeah. Uh, well, 
we'll, we'll see about that. If it yeah. was another player, maybe. But no, but but jokes aside, uh, and and uh, we've had that discussion with Matthews and Line. We've had that discussion with um, Pelak Dubois, was it as well? And th- there's Nolan Patrick. Um, yeah. Where, where who should go number one and who should go number two? Normally you pick. Are, are we are we still discussing Kirby Doc here, or have we moved on no, to the first round? No, we, we moved on to. Okay, to, okay. To, yeah, I just wanted to say yeah. about Kirby Doc before we leave him yeah. that I think that it's an interesting. Uh, I wouldn't, considering what he has put up in 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 uh, Chicago, I'm a little bit afraid that he has been KK'd, you know, by mm-hmm. Chicago. That's yeah. just been thrown into a situation that was kind of over. Out, like out of his depth for a while and that he's been you know permanently hurt by that but if Montreal can shield him a little bit and not ask too much of him during the first few years and give him you know some kind of bridge deal or you know a longer deal that's you know based on potential or whatever he I think he will complete Nick Suzuki in a top six mm-hmm. center lineup pretty well I mean he's a bigger guy he has different skills and Montreal has a lot of wingers who want to have a, a centerman who can just, you know. I know Nathan is working on a really go. good article about yeah. but Kirby Dak. So yeah. look out for that on, on Eyes on the Price. Uh, also, uh, I, I think shout, patient sh- again is, yeah. is, is important here. Yeah, because he's only 21. And yeah. I, I thought that he was a little bit overdrafted when he went third overall in, in 2019. Um, but but still, he was top 10 talent regardless. And getting him now for what you arguably could say as cheap, because it's always difficult getting centermen, especially young ones. You know, it's it's worth and the especially trade. you don't give up a hole somewhere else because the pipeline on defenders is is so good. No, exactly. And it's fun to think of as well. I was saying this in our you know, Slack chat yesterday that Montreal said, Kent Hughes said when, when he came to power uh, that, you know, Montreal wouldn't use that much, you know, as much draft capital anymore because like he wanted a slightly older guys that could, you know, make an impact now. And then they went out and they got Heinemann and they got... Uh, Ty Smilanik and uh, Smilanik and they got uh, Justin Barron and now Kirby Doc through trades and they still ended up making 11 freaking selections in the draft <laughs> you know so they still added on this vastly you know just ex- excessive prospect pool with 18 year olds yeah. so. top 25 under 25 it's soon going to be 50 names yeah yeah it is and it's going to be a real you know wasp's nest this mm. year I think they say wiper's nest in England right or in, uh, probably, in, yeah, yeah, probably, yeah. Um, anyways, Juraj Slavkovsky, first of all, what a guy, <laughs> yeah, such a such a such a wholesome kid. And, he and feels, the stories feels so are great. legendary already about him, aren't yeah. they? Like, well, some boot, I have to win them over. I hope they will cheer for me once. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and as I said before, before the draft, what have you learned during your draft interviews that I can actually speak English? Yeah, and and I think yeah, was it the the. Uh, the, uh, did, when, when he moved to Austria, did you live in a billet family? Did you live? Uh, did your mom come with you? No. And so, how did you cook on a stove? <laughs> <laughs> Good. <laughs> I, I think. I think uh, you know, like he's. And then, obviously, seeing how happy he was for Nemets being taken, and obviously uh, when Mesar being taken, it, it no. was it, it was incredible. And and you know. Uh, and the guys went to Comic Con the next day yeah. uh, just to present themselves, and and mm-hmm. they they seem to have a blast in Montreal. Yeah. And uh, obviously, you know, 
uh, Cole Caulfield might have some challenges for that smile now. Yeah, I was just thinking, like, a line with him, Suzuki and Caulfield is going to be the most likable line personality-wise in all of NHL. Uh, and and could be one of the most devastating young lines in NHL at the moment. Could be, could be. If they put it all together uh, and, and can just mesh from a skill, uh, as we've already seen with the Suzuki and Caulfield going very well together, if they get that big, smart power forward next to them, Man, that could be so much fun. And the fact that that Slavkovsky said that uh, prior to the draft as well. I've heard that Suzuki and Caulfield is looking for a partner. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's 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 you you he he's he's got. I'm I can't see. There are disappointments with the pick. I I get that. We're all different people. We we the pick has been made. We have to live with it, no matter what we think about it. But I think Slavkovsky will win over quite a few of them because I'm already I'm I'm happy. It's a European. It's I have friends in Slovakia that's been high on him. I have uh, friends uh, in Slovakia that 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 yeah, they're just happy um, hockey people, and and I'm happy for their sake, and I'm happy for for this. And you know, it's it's um, for Jurai and and for Montreal. I, the, the confidence they went up and made that pick with. Mm. They weren't nervous. They were really, really, we know who we want. I, th- I think it really helps also that Shane Wright wasn't selected second overall uh, yeah. by a team that already had centers. And the fact that he wasn't even the first centerman taken, because as we have to you know, point out, when we did the mock drafts the night before the drafts, all three of me, Jared and Matt had Shane Wright first overall. We wanted him. Uh, first overall, and I, I stood there and I filmed the uh, I filmed the selection on my on my cell phone. We had already heard rumors that it was going to be Slavkovsky, and the guy who was sitting next to me was really excited about it. A young mm-hmm. guy who actually looked a lot like Slavkovsky, and I was just like, "What are you doing up here? You should be down there on the stage." Um, but when he was selected, as far as I heard, everyone quickly changed and started cheering like there wasn't you know there, there was shock in the room but then everyone you know started cheering him on instantly I, I was pleasantly surprised by the Montreal uh crowd just and, you know and embracing every, everyone on the way up the stairs exactly well. you know it just felt immediately like now he's one of our own it doesn't matter we didn't uh, choose Shane Wright and I'm guessing that everyone started thinking as well well what do we know about the draft interviews and how they've yeah. paired in this process? Uh, we don't know how they did, but obviously Montreal knows more and they mm. went with Slavkovsky. And it also made it much easier to grasp when Montreal traded for a centerman just minutes later. Yeah, or, or actually minutes before, as we mentioned already. Yeah, but, but it wasn't announced. <laughs> it wasn't announced. But but yeah, yeah. and you got a, a, a centerman that you can understand the choice for as well. Yeah. For sure. So, so, so it's it's easier uh, maybe to to comprehend the moves, and I think with the previous regime, you didn't really understand the moves, and here it's been a really clear path. Exactly, that, that you and can it's follow also... and you can trace the. It's it's like that tracing book. You can follow A to B to C to D. Yeah, and and looking at Slavkovsky, I mean, you, it's not like you're gonna find a six four, two hundred twenty nine pound uh, winger who can skate like the wind at twenty sixth overall, but you yeah. may find an Owen Beck instead of a Shane Wright at thirty third overall. Yeah, In, indeed. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, uh, you've been listening to to um, the, what should we call it? The, the 
the draft, draft coverage yeah. yeah yeah or or end of season four uh coverage uh with anton rossegaard and me patrick bexel if you made it this far i'm super impressed with you and uh, i hope you will have a lovely day over in montreal in sweden the sun is shining and uh, the first mountain top or, or second mountain top finish in uh, For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.